0: I'm Ashley Chancellor. And I'm Bo Maddox. And this is Collateral Gaming.
1: With Collateral Cinema.
0: collateral gaming the only video game podcast that matters where we focus on good games bad games and everything else in between in the world of gaming we are podcasting straight from somewhere in south texas and yes my friends we are a 420 friendly podcast so smoke it if you've got it whatever you've got
1: whatever you have i mean if you have flour if you have wax or if you have blunts well, i mean whatever man
0: hmm Thank you, Bo, again, for being on this episode. We are talking about another retro uh, PS1 title, and we will definitely get into it. I mean, first of all, happy spooky season, everybody.
1: Yeah, happy Halloween to everybody. Happy spooky season. Uh, we already kicked it off on Collateral Cinema with uh, the Human Centipede and everything, but mm. now we are kicking uh, it off on Collateral Gaming properly, With quite possibly one of the most iconic survival horror uh, games of all time. I almost said movies. I forgot what, (laughs) what podcast I'm on. But, yeah, this is good survival horror. It's like the original, you know?
0: Hell yeah. Yes, ladies and gentlemen. We are talking about, if you didn't check out the episode title for some reason or whatever... Resident Evil 2, and we'll also be talking about the Resident Evil 2 remake in the next part of this episode, so stay tuned for that, but uh, for this particular feature-linked episode, we are going to be talking about the original 1998 video game that helped... I mean, if the first game defined survival horror in a lot of ways, the second game just really takes it to a whole different level, which we'll get into, but I did want to kind of hit some of the more recent news that's been going around in the world of gaming. Excellent. So, uh, namely, actually, and a little bit relevant to what we opened up this season, the Final Fantasy VII, the first soldier mobile game is being shut down. Uh, It is actually going to be seeing its end of life. Wow. Yep. Man. As of January 11th.
1: Wow. I mean...
0: After, I think, just over a year?
1: Yeah. I mean, it's not that uncommon for these types of uh, services and, you know, these service type uh, games to uh, go offline from time to time, but man, it's like, that's something I never even knew actually existed, to be honest.
2: Yeah.
0: Yeah. Honestly... Um It is, uh, well, and see, this game is actually kind of a Battle Royale type. I I tried it out. It's just that's not really my thing. I would have liked to play a little bit more, and I guess I can before it closes in January. But um, it's in the world of Final Fantasy VII, and, you know, it's again, it's a mobile game. It's a Battle Royale. So if you know how those games play, that's basically what it is. You know, and with them launching another mobile title, uh, I think sometime this year, which is actually going to be a turn-based RPG style, covering the events of the compilation of Final Fantasy VII, that's Ever Crisis, you know, it just, it probably didn't get the feedback that they hoped it would.
1: Probably not. I mean, that's usually how it works out with these uh, sort of things.
0: Didn't meet expectations, whatever. Yeah. This month, we're also getting a Resident Evil Village DLC, the Winters expansion. I would like to talk about that in some form, or maybe do a commentary. I'm kind of still working that out, and that's if I'm able to purchase it, (laughs) which you know my financial situation's it's a little off at the moment. But uh, if we can, then yeah, I definitely have to talk about it because Resident Evil Village is a lot of fun, and uh, we're we're going to talk about you know the Resident Evil franchise. As a whole, kind of, especially this month. As for other news, we did get some gameplay for the upcoming Dead Space remake, which I'm very excited about. Uh, and uh, another look at Gotham Knights, if you care about it. I mean, I don't know. It It's just like, it, it kind of reminds me of the Arkham series, but it's, it's not. Yeah. And you can tell.
2: Yeah, yeah, for sure.
0: So, you know, whatever. We'll see how that goes. But uh, yeah, that's pretty much it. I mean, there was really wasn't a lot going on this month to talk about.
1: Doesn't sound like it. I mean, for the most part.
0: No, but it is spooky month. So uh, yeah, it is the perfect time to delve into the world of survival horror.
1: Yep, back into the world of survival horror, (laughs) needless to say.
0: Yeah, once again, you have stepped into the world of survival horror, or you have stepped back into the world.
2: Exactly.
1: Something
0: to that effect. Yeah, so Resident Evil 2, the 1998 original video game uh, developed and published by Capcom, and the sequel to the original Resident Evil.
1: Oh man, I love the original Resident Evil, let me tell you, especially the director's cut. Which has a very interesting story behind it as well, especially regarding its uh, soundtrack. Mm-hmm. I, I think uh, Wayne did a video on it recently, so yeah, check that out.
0: Yeah, and that may be something we may be addressing this month, because I'd like to do a bonus round actually talking about Resident Evil Director's Cut in particular, because uh, I've played through a little bit of that, and uh, I actually played through a remake as well in preparation for this podcast, uh, uh, the remake of the original game, and Uh, we're, we'll, we'll definitely get into that at some point, if not now.
2: Yeah. Yeah, But yeah, Resident
0: Evil, you know, as a whole, I think has defined the survival horror genre and no better than the way that the first game did. What I like about Resident Evil 2 is that it, it takes that and it kind of digs in a little bit deeper and, and tries a couple other things and just as a game plays better, I want to say the first game does the survival horror genre a little bit better but like Resident Evil 2 overall I think you know as far as gameplay goes is a better game.
1: Well, you have to remember with the first Resident Evil it was really going for atmosphere more than anything cuz it was uh it was emulating, you know, old school horror movies and zombie movies, you know. I mean, it it was trying to be like a real like gamified version of you know Night of the Living Dead or Day of the Dead or something like that, but I mean with Resident Evil Two, I mean it has those elements, but it you have a little bit more of that Twitch gaming action vibe to it in some areas, you know?
0: Yeah, yeah, it does definitely feel a little bit more action focused, and I mean personally, I kind of prefer the classic Resident Evil games like One and Two and uh, the more recent games. Uh, being like like biohazard and village because they're games that focus a little bit more on the survival horror rather than the, the action aspect but I, I will say yeah I think two is just a little bit more action focused whereas one is a little bit more puzzle focused
1: and that's not to say that there isn't some really horrific shit in Resident Evil 2 I mean there's lots of body horror in this game as well oh, tons as, of it as well as a lot of gore you know
0: yeah no they don't really hold back with the gore it's just a shame that you know the polygonal models aren't going to capture that as well as a modern game might but uh no still wandering through the halls of the rpd or some of the other locations and seeing the blood everywhere and uh debris and 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 you know looking at the bodies in particular the zombies you know they, they don't hold back with it i i think that the concept you know the atmosphere of the mansion is just slightly superior but where uh resident evil 2 takes an edge i think is executing that environment i mean i i definitely felt like they're, the graphics in resident evil 2 have been improved they're a little bit more detailed than the first game and as well as the the design uh, of the environments because you know the RP- even sections of the rpd feel a little bit more distinct from each other than the mansion did
1: it really does i mean it's almost like it layered you know these uh it layered these floor plans from different you know levels and everything different games and just kind of put them all into one and that's kind of what makes rpd so iconic i think i think even more I- I- iconic than the spencer mansion to a degree i mean not to say there isn't parts of that that you know fit that role but you know to me I mean just expanding the actual, you know, surrounding area of the game itself, you know, into the city. It and then also going to the RPD. It's like I mean that just makes for a more memorable, you know, first 20 or 30 minutes of the game, you know, or even like the first couple of hours.
0: Yeah, yeah, and so I think where this game excels is not only we were initially just addressing the RPD and how you know distinctive the RPD feels and not as ad nauseum as the mansion, and that's not even talking about all of the other environments that you go to, because this game does have you know a progression from you know the streets of Raccoon City to the RPD to the parking garage to the sewers you know back to the RPD and then <laughs> yeah. you know back down to the sewers fully explore and then to the lab and so roughly half the game takes place in the the raccoon police department but the other half of it is just is these other areas of the game and so it definitely adds a lot more flavor the, the environments are even more distinctive because you're going to different places whereas there were definitely different segments of uh, Resident Evil 1 it was all on the mansion grounds. So it all kind of was samey, you know?
1: I think that's what really makes Resident Evil 3 really great as well is because mm-hmm. that expanded even further on Raccoon City itself. You don't spend as much time in in the RPD there. You know, you're actually going to like the city park. You're going you know, you're going throughout the streets of the town. You're going into different buildings and everything. And that's here to a degree, but you know, I mean I kind of get why they placed uh, most of the game in the RPD, though, because, I mean, you, you needed to have a little bit of that central location because that's kind of what, you know, Resi fans were accustomed to from that first game.
0: You know, yeah, was- and RPD is honestly the best part of the game, I think.
1: Yeah, yeah, it, it, was, it was about having that one central location where everything just went down. I mean, there's a lot of similarities between the two places, but... I mean, as far as just atmosphere and as far as just, you know, just real tension, is like RPD is, I think, the superior location.
0: Yeah, I think so. You know, and if we had just an entire game set in a bigger RPD, that would be fine as well because, you know, just aesthetic-wise, it, it works. And I think that Resident Evil 2 is a good middle ground because with the original Resident Evil, there is something that you gain by locking everything down to the mansion grounds as is you're isolated. You're in this place you know, just this one team and they're all getting picked off one by one. It definitely creates its own atmosphere that way. And Resident Evil 3 kind of, you know, takes the progression from the past two titles to its logical extreme and has you basically able to walk the streets a little bit more and gives you a little bit more of a, of an open flavor. Although I haven't played any of three myself just from what I've seen. But, uh, Resi 2, I think, kind of is a good middle ground between those because you do go to different locations, but you do also sort of have that central location. And even whenever you move on to other ones, you're in that area.
1: Yeah. I mean, getting back to the RPD from, say, the sewers or anything is really not that difficult. You know, it's all really interconnected that yeah, way.
0: And you can pretty much go back and do whatever you want. Uh, and you will, because originally, you know, the first time you got out of the sewers, you do a little bit, and then you come back up to the RPD, do a little bit more, and then you go back down. Yeah. Or actually, no, that's not correct. You, It depends on which character you're playing as and which scenario, actually.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that makes sense, honestly.
0: That's another <laughs> thing that is very distinctive about too, and something that is one of the only things I dislike about the remake, which... We'll talk about that next part, but I, I think in a lot of ways it actually expands and improves on, and is a better game overall for w- what it does than the original. It does what a remake is supposed to do, except for how it treats the most, arguably one of the most iconic features of two, which is the zapping system, and the the A B scenario. And I'm going to talk about my disappointment with that in the next episode. But as far as the original game goes, well, something that really set it apart from for instance, its predecessor, and hasn't really been replicated in a Resident Evil title since. Or, I don't, I can't think of any game that that kind of works this way. Is is the idea that your different character scenarios were not just alternate versions of events, but you would actually have a B scenario where you would play as the other character. And is so, for instance, if you chose Leon in the B scenario, you'd play as Claire. If you chose Claire in the A scenario, in the B scenario, you'd play as Leon. And in that B scenario, it would actually be what the other character was doing, and they would meet each other at the same locations that you you went through in the A scenario. Uh, The other character would go fight the bosses that they were supposed to. Any items that they leave behind and don't take are available for you, or at least a couple of them. Or they can take those.
1: Yeah, I mean, and... It's very difficult to understate how influential that system was to later games on on down the line, you know? I mean, that was such a new concept was, you know, being able to, you know, like, like transfer your save file to the next game and then, you know, like have like different you know items and everything i mean that that was just unheard of before then you know and there was interconnectivity and there was
0: an actual uh communication between both scenarios they existed together so it wasn't you know you pick jill or you pick chris it was you play as leon and then claire or claire and then leon and they actually went on this journey together and then you can try it the opposite way and that's going to be your alternate version of events, but. It encourages you to actually play all four scenarios, and I did, because I, I think the replay value is is just again the the first game did a good job of giving you that replay value by okay here's the other character you can play as, and here are some other costumes and stuff that you can unlock afterward. But you know in this game they actually doubled that even further and said you know here's an, another way you could do things, and all four scenarios are going to be actually a different experience
1: very much so.
0: So yeah, even the sets of bosses that you're going to fight, you know, within the A scenario and the B scenario are going to be different because it wouldn't make sense to fight the same character twice, you know, in that in their same form. Claire will fight G1 and Leon will fight G2.
1: Yeah. And the interesting thing about the whole zapping system is how the game itself really works to the s- in service of it you know like f- like for instance how the puzzles are constructed and everything you know like mm. i mean there's a reason why and Resi 2 does get a little bit of flack for this. There's a reason why the puzzles are a little easier than they were in the previous game and arguably easier than they were in other games before them is because it lent itself to that replayability so that you could just get through each scenario and, you know, not have to do a whole lot of backtracking, because that was a, a huge thing about Resi 1. Was you know, backtracking was a huge part of that game. Here you don't have that as much. You have a lot more forward progression. Yes. And that really helps balance out the whole zapping system and the whole A B scenarios.
0: I, I think so. And I think, you know, there's just kind of a, a the game lends itself to a a better learn as you go. And, you know, you'll have at first the, the uh, RPD, for example, is going to be confusing and you're not going to know where you're at. But then before too long, you're going to know that place like the back of your hand. And that comes in handy when you play through the B scenario or whenever you go and play through the other characters A and B scenarios. You're just going to kind of be able to learn what works in this game. And what's cool is that items are switched around depending on what scenarios you're playing. So, you know, an item that you found... Uh, and And Leon's story is not going to be in the same place that it is in Claire's story.
1: And then there's also just the different path that you take in the B scenario like period like at the beginning. you know you you have a slightly different intro. You have a slightly different way of getting to the RPD.
0: right. Yeah. And so you know it, every experience is going to be different. And even though you know, you're gonna end up repeating some things, especially by the time you might go through the second set of scenarios, It's still going to be fundamentally different because each character has differences between their stories, but also each A and B scenario has differences, usually in in the pathway and what bosses you'll fight. So it's going to be an entirely different experience every time. And I I think that's what gives Resident Evil 2 so much replayability, especially over other entries in the franchise. And uh, I really enjoy
1: that. What I'm looking up right now is I'm looking up the various weaponry of okay. Resident Evil which I mean that that's a whole nother topic in its own right because most of the guns that are used in resi to in the resi series period are based on real-world firearms like for instance I mean the revolvers I mean they're based off of like Smith and Wesson's or your or Ruger's or whatnot like I mean then there's even the submachine guns I mean there's stuff like he- Heckler and Coke mp5s and and the shotguns are usually like a Remington 870 but i mean they put enough variation into it, all of those weapons to kind of make them unique to the game yeah you know? and, and and also the weapon modifications like for instance on uh on the Heckler and Koch VP70 like that that's real life shit that's a brace that you can actually put on the gun it snaps on and you can get that three burst fire with it Oh, that's badass. I like that. I mean, yeah, it was all modeled off of real-world weapons, and that was kind of a first in its own right, you know? Like, this was before, you know... I mean, yeah, you had Tom Clancy come out, but, I mean, that was a little more nondescript with its weaponry, but it's like, I mean, nowadays when you have games like Ready or Not or, like, Call of Duty that's very intense on, you know... They're very intensive on what kind of firearms we're using, you know, real-world, you know, like, real-world playability and whatnot... It's like this was kind of what laid the groundwork for that. I mean, there, there there's even a a uh, YouTube series on uh, the actual weaponry of Resident Evil called uh, the Kendo Gun Club. Oh, like, nice! Yeah, it's it's based off. It's really cool a really cool channel, and he actually breaks down. You know, like how like how they are similar to real world weapons versus you know how they kind of diverge from them. You know, like there, there's just some subtle things that they change with some of the weaponry, you know, some subtle things.
0: Yeah. And you might need to from a gameplay perspective. But, yeah, I, I always thought that that was really cool. I mean, when we were playing, you would be like, hey, pause real quick, you know, and check that weapon and you can go check it in the inventory. And it'll be a little description of what it actually is. And it was cool to actually, you know, see those weapons and even look up their their real world equivalents.
1: I mean, and then there's, like, the most iconic firearm out of the entire game, which is the Samurai Edge, which is a Beretta 92FS that's been modified, more or less. It's got a threaded barrel on it. Like, it's modified for greater accuracy. I mean, it has better parts, like, overall in its construction.
0: I think that's
1: one of the weapons that you can only unlock
0: if you've played through with a certain rank or something, right? That's one of the...
1: Yeah, that's one of the unlockables is the original Samurai Edge, which I believe was a standard issue for the S.T.A.R.S. team.
0: Yeah, so it's actually the same one that they had in Resident Evil Director's Cut, uh, the the customized Beretta, but they're calling it the Samurai Edge now. I want to say there is a version of of Resident Evil. It might have been the DS version that even implemented that retroactively. But, yeah, yeah no, I, I love how playing through the game a certain number of times or, or getting a, a high enough ranking is, is going to allow you to unlock different types of weapons that you didn't have access to. And, of course, it wouldn't be Resident Evil if there weren't, you know, infinite rocket launchers and other infinite weapons.
1: Oh, definitely. I mean, once you unlock a lot of those, uh, a lo- a lot of those types of weapons and everything, it really just adds a lot of fun factor to the game. Now, I remember... When there was a April Fool's Day pr- prank that was, I think it was Electronic Gaming Monthly that played it. They purportedly showed it was either them or GamePro. They purportedly showed in the Resident Evil two, um, Akuma from uh, uh, you know from uh, Street Fighter. You know he's like a, the evil uh, version of the evil counterpart to Ryu and Ken. Mm-hmm supposedly uh, he was going to be a playable character if you, uh, like, did a bunch of really, like, complicated shit between the two uh, scenarios and everything. And you had to, like, unlock Hunk and and Tofu and everything and all that shit. And you had to, like, beat all of that, and apparently you would get Akuma, and you could even uh, use his... uh, you know the evil Hadouken that he uses. Fuck like, yeah! You could use that just like you would a weapon. You know, you hit the shoulder button, you aim, and then you just. <laughs> uh, no shit, that's awesome. But it was it was an April Fool's prank. Yeah. Though, I mean, and and it got people good, you know, because it would totally track that. You know, Capcom would probably put one of their uh, one of their Street Fighter characters as a as an unlikable character. And I'm kind of surprised that they didn't make a little bit of a joke in it a joke towards that in the remake. You know, I'm kind of surprised by that. That would have been kind of funny if just uh, out of nowhere like there was like maybe a reference to Akuma or something yeah, like no that. Yeah, no shit. That
0: is cool as hell. Yeah, I mean, speaking of, I mean, you mentioned them earlier. There are even game modes that are unlocked by getting, you know, a high enough ranking, which is determined by how quickly you get through the game, I think, how many times you save, things like that.
1: Yeah, how many times, and also how many times you use first aid sprays. That's Uh, also very important. Yeah. Like, so that, that factors into it. I don't know if uh, how many times you use herbs uh, factors in, but...
0: That's good to know, actually. I, I'd always just kind of use them interchangeably, but there's a reason to save those
1: first aid sprays yeah, and yeah, not use them if you don't have to. Definitely, definitely.
0: Yeah, so... But yeah, you unlock the fourth survivor, where you play as uh, another survivor of the Raccoon City uh, incident. That's Hunk. Hunk. And then there's the Tofu survivor, where you actually play as as a giant piece of tofu and the
1: only thing you have is a knife that's the only thing that he can use is just a knife
0: yeah yeah so like these are just kind of more of these like time trial type scenarios where you know you actually have a preset uh items and you can't gain any more and you just kind of try to get through it as quickly as possible with the items that you're given
1: in a way it's kind of a kind of the precursor to dlc in a way right
0: yeah yeah
1: it's kind of, yeah, it's, it's kind of a precursor to that, you know? These unlockable modes, is like, nowadays, that's shit that you have to buy and download in order to even experience.
0: Yeah, that's true, yeah. Yeah, so they uh, definitely, I love how they're adding all these other game modes, and that's all in the game that you get, you know? You don't have to update it, you don't have to buy anything, It is. it came in, and I, I think... Despite the fact that the story is relatively short, I mean, you can get through this game very, very quickly, especially if we're only counting a, a single scenario. You
1: know, that, that That's kind of a hallmark with uh, Resident Evil games, because, you know, if you want to get that really good ranking, then you need to get through the game quickly. You right, know? right. U- usually it's, it's like under three hours, I think. That gives you an S ranking.
0: Yeah, so, the, you know, there, there's an incentive to speed run the shit, but even playing through the game normally, you know, it's a very fast experience, but, again... You know, making that experience so that you have to play through it multiple times to really experience everything that the story has to offer, and on, on top of that, tying unlockables and things like that, I mean, it's really genius, actually, and back whenever like you said, there wasn't DLC to pad out a game, you really needed to find ways to make players invested without having to do a lot and in, 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 in actually create so much data that's too much for the cartridge to handle, I mean, Again, by having four different scenarios in the first place and then having the extra unlockable modes set in those same areas, you use your resources a lot more efficiently. And yeah. it's a lot easier.
1: Yeah. And I mean, as far as like resource management is concerned, this this game, like apparently it gives you a lot of uh, ink ribbons even in the normal mode for some reason. Like, yeah. I mean, it, it's scarce on the ammo, but yeah, it gives you a lot of ways to save.
0: Well, in easy mode, it gives you a lot of fucking ammo and ink ribbons. But, yeah, even on normal mode, like you said, the ink ribbons are pretty frequent. I found that even on normal, it gave me more than I needed.
1: And and in the first game, I mean, that was one of those things that also really kind of heightened the tension is like, oh, my God, what if I run out of ink ribbons before I get to the next boss? You know, it's like, yeah. what, what what if I run out of the ability to save? I mean, nowadays with save states, that's kind of a moot point. But yeah, and
0: well, and the way Resident Evil worked is... Every time you got to a new area, you know a new typewriter, there was going to be an ink ribbon, or there would be an ink ribbon nearby. Yeah, this game actually makes it to where every new typewriter does have a uh, an ink ribbon. But this game also features a lot less backtracking, so you know a lot. You're you're actually gonna. I think there probably are more save rooms in this game.
1: There it, there are a few more save rooms. Yeah.
0: So you know, it's like, how many times are you gonna go back to a single save room? Yeah. So, you know, the, the, I think that even playing this game and being, you know, you don't even really have to be th- all that conservative with your saves. Just, I, I kind of just, you know, like with any Resident Evil game that uses the, the ink ribbon system, I, I, I try not to save unless I've actually done something, yeah. you know, or I've actually traveled to a new area that I haven't been before. But this game, you know, even if I didn't play that way, I could probably wouldn't have that much difficulty. It,
1: here's here's the way that I always approach the old school Resi games. It's like the first playthrough you go through, you don't do so to get a ranking. You do it mainly exactly. to experience the story, to try to, you know, experience everything that it has to offer. And that means on um, When I play through, like, I save and I save and I save and I save. As many times that I can save, I save.
0: Because you don't know necessarily whenever, you know, a a boss or difficult enemy is going to pop up. Exactly. Like Mr. X.
1: Oh, yeah, especially when Mr. X shows up in the B scenario. I mean, you're going to be really wanting to make sure that you save in between save save rooms, you know? It
0: it keeps you on your toes because you're thinking, well, I kind of already know the layout of this place. Like, this isn't going to be a problem. I know what bosses are coming up. But you don't, you know, you'll have like Mr. X pop up out of nowhere and that's terrifying. Once you learn that Mr. X is actually just a scripted enemy and he's not all that difficult to take down if you have enough ammunition. But up until you you realize that after playing through the game a couple of times, he's kind of terrifying. You know, they play this really ominous music when he shows up and you just think.
1: Oh uh, hell no. Yo, exactly. You're totally just like god damn it. He just busted through the goddamn wall and shit and it's like th- it's usually in a narrow corridor and everything to where y- you could barely just get around him. Yeah. It's like yeah. I mean, it's a very it's very tense. I mean, he has a little bit of a uh, delay in his attacks, you know, cuz he's a bigger enemy, you know, that's typically with games, you know, the bigger the enemy, the slower the attack. But so I mean, you can kind of i mean avoid him for the most part you can avoid his attacks but i mean when you're in those narrow corridors and hallways and whatnot it's like god damn that's just ramped up to 11 and it's something that they kind of improved upon in uh, resident evil 3 with nemesis and like,
0: in the resident evil 2 remake they and really the Resi- yeah, improved and the on mr x and the whole like stalking behavior but you know we'll we'll get into that and I'm sure we'll talk about Resi Three at some point as well, but Yeah. Uh yeah, no, I, I, I definitely think that Mr. X is underutilized, especially when you compare him to just where they've taken that type of character in future installments or, or versions. But I I do think you know during your first playthrough it, it is it is a little bit terrifying. Like I said, it's the combination of the soundtrack and just the fact that here's this enemy that the first time you come across you probably don't have enough equipment to take down. You're gonna waste all of your ammo on him in a survival horror game. I mean I can I can see that happening. I kind of knew who Mister X was and I knew okay I just need to leave. I just need to get the fuck out of here. I'm not even gonna try. But can you imagine? Well, you probably did. You know, playing this back in the day. And yeah. You just come across this enemy that. Like-
1: Especially since he comes up in the B scenario and you never really encountered him in the first time that you played the game. I mean, it was just kind of a surprise to just have this this new enemy just plopped right into our lap like that. I mean, out of nowhere, and he's after something specific, which it turns out to be Sherry's pendant. Right. Right. But I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, when you're doing that first playthrough of both of both scenarios, you know, no matter where you go with it, it's it's so it's so surprising that that, that just, you know, it, it was such a shock. Yeah. At that time.
0: Yeah, and he'll actually be the uh the final character the the final not the final final boss because there is another one, but I guess the uh the the penultimate boss of your B scenario. Yeah, is going to be the super tyrant and it's going to actually be being able to actually take him down in another form, which is it's not really clear if that's supposed to be an upgrade or a downgrade because, you know, he's a lot more deadly, but he could actually be taken down like permanently. Yeah, but then again, that may just be because you have the fucking rocket launcher at the end.
1: Of course, which of course is a staple of the old Resident Evil games. You know, it's like, oh yeah, you have to fucking shoot the final boss with a with a rocket launcher, and it and that triple take, that triple take. It always has to have the triple take before the tyrant blows up.
0: Hell yeah, like, that always. is just classic Resident Evil. I fucking love it. And and then you know, the character has to say some cheesy line.
2: Oh, definitely. It have you have to.
0: Yeah, fucking awesome, man. And that that I mean, that's the part that just got me really excited. I think when I was playing through this game, uh, I started with Claire A Leon B because apparently that's the most canonical route. Yeah. Although you know elements of uh, of uh, both scenarios kind of exist in in the canon or or both sets of scenarios, so it's really not clear.
1: <laughs> of course, yeah. the
0: remake kind of really changed things quite a bit with that. But anyway. It was just such a, a joy being able to experience that boss battle at the end of, of the B scenario. So, you know, you're not even facing the same, quote-unquote, final boss that you were expecting. And then on top of that, they give you another final boss, which is the fifth stage of the uh, of Birkin.
1: Yeah. And and that's in the uh, train whenever he's just this big, gelatinous monstrosity just, you know, turned into just an, an abomination, you know? I mean, it doesn't, but thankfully he's very slow, so it doesn't take a whole lot to really take him down. Like, honestly, if you have the uh, the submachine gun at that point and you just, you know, just load him up a little bit with it and maybe a few grenade shots and maybe a shot from the rocket launcher if you still have one, it's like, I mean, he can be taken down. But
0: yeah. If you don't waste your the other shot of your rocket launcher on a bun, on a crowd of zombies, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because you get two shots, one of them will automatically trigger a cutscene and kill the super tyrant. As
1: awesome as that would be, though, you know.
0: Yeah, but uh, you, you you can't actually actually. Uh, that is something I, I think I did in the remake is I used the rocket on a crowd and it was fucking
2: awesome. Oh, fuck yeah. <laughs>
0: and it was cool. But yeah, no, no. If you actually save that shot and you're smart about it, you'll have it to use and it'll chip away the final boss's health quite a bit. And then you just unload it uh, on it with the submachine gun, which I think even if you didn't leave for your B scenario character is still uh, you can still find it in the lab. And if you did already get it, then you get more bullets for it. Yeah. Which is nice. So I think I think no matter I think you can get it in the lap. I think eventually. I'm not sure. I haven't. I, I've always left it for my B scenario characters both times I played. So.
1: See, I went ahead and just as Leon took both the the sack, the knapsack, <laughs> and the uh, machine gun. So.
0: See, I realized that I would definitely need it more in the B scenario, which is supposed to be more difficult. And also, I knew that I only wanted to take one and leave it for the other. But now that I'm thinking about it, you know. The submachine gun might be a good choice to give Claire early on because uh, she doesn't have as good weaponry as Leon does.
1: Yeah, her main two weapons, other than the the grenade launcher, yeah, yeah, the grenade launcher and her pistol. the
0: The grenade launcher is nice because it has so much versatility that you know you really don't have to use a lot of her other weapons i mean you typically will keep her handgun equipped but it's like the bow gun is like who uses that really it actually is nice i've equipped it a few times just because i had a bunch of ammo for it and it's not a bad weapon but it's definitely outclassed and i think for her the grenade launcher is is, uh really the, the one like defining thing the spark shot's cool to use against like i think it's particularly strong
1: against some of the bosses yeah but what's notable about the grenade launcher are the different rounds that were made for it like right you know you have acid rounds which is pretty much good against any fleshy creature or anything like that usually the flame rounds are good against those plant monsters yeah. usually and and also those are good those in the acid rounds are usually best to be used against you know bosses. Yeah, the flame rounds
0: I think are superior to for instance Leon's flamethrower later on because well one they're just another ammo type that you can carry with the weapon and 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 two I just think that they're better. But that being said, Leon does get overall the better weapons. It's just that Claire's grenade launcher kind of compensates for that being such a good weapon, but Leon also gets the shotgun and he gets the magnum. So
1: that's true. But I mean, I do like how th- Much like the shotgun, the grenade launcher, it can clear a room real quick because in this game, you're going to have a lot of zombies in one room from time to time. So, I mean, with Leon, you get that shotgun, it'll clear the room. But with Claire, I mean, you just got to lob a couple of grenades down, down the hall and, you know, you can pretty much clear them out.
0: And the game actually gives you a a, a pretty decent amount of, of of ammo, even on normal. Actually, I mean, like I said, it was a little bit more scarce, but and, and there were certain times where, like, especially like early on in the game, I was having difficulty, you know, if I have with enough ammo. But if you explore everything that the game has to offer, and and you know, check out every area thoroughly the game will kind of push you towards using certain types or stockpiling certain types for uh, a certain area you know and so it, I don't think ammo is really too big of a difficulty. I don't know if there's actually a harder mode that's unlockable
1: I think there I think there is actually yeah yeah
0: or at least in some versions because I would like to see a hard mode where like ammo and ink, ink ribbons are just a lot more scarce giving you a lot more tension.
1: I mean, I they were supposed to do that anyways, but I mean, like like we said, I mean, there's that just that one little balance issue with like the ink ribbons and whatnot, you know, they're just not nearly as scarce as you would think they are.
0: no, and like I said, there are definitely times when you're playing normal where ammo can be tight, especially the beginning. but like I said, if you're not wasting your ammo, which is hard to do in this game. And, and you're actually exploring everything, which is encouraged, you know, you're going to stockpile the types of ammo that you need, and uh, I, I think that the game being a little bit harder, or at least having a harder mode, would definitely be uh, a bonus for me.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, but in a way, that's kind of what uh, the extra modes are supposed to be as well, you know, like the for Survivor, and especially the Tofu uh, Survivor. I mean, Like I said, you just get a knife in that scenario. People
0: will do knife runs of this game, too. Oh, they they will, yeah. All Resident Evil games.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, a knife run is kind of a rite of passage when it comes to Resi. Yeah,
0: Uh, yeah. uh, I'm not there yet.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you kind of uh, need to get really, really experienced, get really good with those tank controls, and just know where your your knife is slicing, you know? Yeah. Because, I mean, that is one of the things about these early Resident Evil games is that you didn't really get auto-aiming until uh, Resident Evil 3. So these last two games, you had to be really precise with your this aim. This one has auto-aiming. Does it?
0: Yeah, yeah. you just have to turn it on.
1: No, I, I, I played it with it off, you know, because that's yeah. just kind of the... Uh, I, I feel that that's the more classic way to play Resident Evil. Okay, you know yeah,
0: I, I always kept it on because uh you know it was just easier you, you know and you still can manually aim and you can decide whether you want to aim at their head or at their feet, but it does automatically point the character's gun at an enemy target, which is nice yeah. Yeah, so there is an auto-aiming mode, but you can decide whether you want to turn that on or off. But I just liked experimenting with all the different types of weapons and, you know, just just being able to find out what certain uh, enemy types were going to be weak against or what was going to be better for different uh, situations.
1: Yeah. Although, I mean, with Claire's weaponry, I would have liked to have seen some more more modifications available for it she
0: doesn't have any mods at all does she not
1: really i mean it seems that leon gets at least one or two of the mods like i think there's a shotgun mod and there's a mod for his gun the uh the hkvp
0: yeah i think the handgun the shotgun and the magnum all get upgrades
1: yeah yeah they all have upgradable parts but you know those aren't guns that claire really have you know she doesn't get those guns
0: No, she has her own handgun, uh, but it doesn't have any mods that you can get in this game anyway.
1: No, I think it's just a standard issue duty pistol, I think. Yeah. 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 So,
0: and early on, like, uh, Leon's weaponry just severely outshines Claire because he starts with a better handgun, which can be modded pretty early, and he starts, and he he can get a shotgun very quickly uh, versus Claire's bow gun that you get early on in the, in, in the game's story. But, like you said, once you get the grenade launcher, then the, uh, you know, the difference between the characters is really just kind of play style. It's whether you're going to get up and close with the shotgun and take out swaths of enemies or, you know, with a three-round burst from your handgun or, you know, with Claire, whether you're just going to clear entire hallways with her fucking grenades.
1: <laughs> exactly. But, I mean... It, for me,
0: I guess I still was trying to uh, approach it with the survival horror attitude, so I would try to save things for boss fights and I try to clear most everything with the handgun or avoid fighting where possible. Because again, you know, at its core this game is a survival game. And and while if as long as you're not stupid, you'll have plenty of resources, there are ways to squander that and I think that that's Integral to the Resident Evil experience.
1: Well, it's integral to survival horror. Period. Exactly. I mean, that, that's what you're you're supposed to do in these types of games. It's just as much about resource management as anything.
0: Right. And, it's, and one character can get an upgrade to expand their inventory. And as, I'm not sure if it's only one character can get the submachine gun or both can. depend but I think it, I think in the lab the second character can, but it's not until the very end of the game.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Or if you just leave it for them, but uh, well, that's what I was saying. <laughs> Damn it! But yeah, I think that uh, Resident Evil Two just really nails a lot of that gameplay experience. You know, again, I, I think that the the first one does a better job at being a survival horror tile, both in atmosphere and in I think the uh, the scarcity of resources. But I think, you know, just as a sol- as a video game, Resident Evil Two outshines its predecessor in a lot of ways, and that's what a sequel should do.
1: Exactly. And I mean, it it just has a better game design to it than the first one. It has I mean, it utilizes its cutscenes a lot better to tell the story.
0: Yeah and you actually get a, a chance to play as two other characters in the game too which is nice other than the, the two that you can choose from Yeah yeah
1: Ada Wong and uh Sherry Birkin Yeah Yeah and yeah Ada Wong I mean she's kind of uh, become this really kind of you know mystical character kind of or really mythic character in the uh, Resident Evil lore I mean, because I mean, later it turns out that she was a, an umbrella spy. Like, she was sent specifically to get the G virus and everything. And I mean, she became a fan favorite pretty quickly. Yeah, she did. I mean, despite the fact that she
0: and Leon have a have a very quick romantic progression, y- you still kind of are invested in it. Y- you know, I, I like yeah. it and I think Ada's just such a cool character. Uh definitely the better side character. Uh playing as Sherry is awful cuz she can't actually attack anybody.
1: No, no. I but, but I mean, and, and she doesn't get attacked or- in the same way as the other characters, but I mean, who really wants to see a zombie bunching down on a kid in a game, you know?
0: Right. So, you know, I think, like, the Sherry sections kind of slow down the pacing of, of Claire's scenario. Although
1: I do like the relationship between Claire and Sherry better than the relationship between Ada and Leon. The relationship
0: bit. between Claire and Sherry is really nice from a story perspective. I really enjoy it, but just playing as Sherry is just such a chore because there's not any actual combat, and it's not necess- There's nothing really that having no combat introduces. There's like one puzzle that you solve as as her.
1: Yeah, I, I get what you're saying. It does feel like uh, Ada's uh, side uh, quest or whatever. It seems a little more involved because she's able to f- to fight against the enemies.
0: But even Ada's side mission, and he, he playing as either of the characters, is not nearly as engaging as it is playing as the original cast. I mean, there's just yeah. a lot less to do. Um, but at least Ada can actually attack other enemies, and you can check it out. I think her gun pretty much is just the same thing as Claire's gun, actually.
1: I think it is, Yeah. 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 But
0: it is, uh, at least hers is a little bit more enjoyable. I actually like what they did with those two characters in the remake, which we'll talk about. Um, but, I mean, overall, I mean, what did you think about the characters of Resident Evil 2?
1: I think that they're a little more three-dimensional than they than the characters of the first Resi game. I mean, the first Resi game, I mean, you still get to really like, you really get to know Jill and Chris and the Stars team members, but only to a point you know
0: yeah and they're all kind of the same type of character because they all have the same occupation
1: yeah they're 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 all members of the same team they're all cops they've all had you know lots of uh, tactical uh, training and whatnot they they're they're pretty much a special ops team for you know basically like a SWAT team yeah you know now compare that to Leon and Claire I mean Leon's a cop but he's a rookie cop
0: so does does ACAB include Leon S. Kennedy
1: I'm going to say yes.
0: Especially Leon Kennedy. Especially Leon Kennedy.
1: (laughs) (laughs) But, I mean, yeah, he doesn't have a whole lot of experience as far as, you know. It's his first day on the job. It's his first day on the job. He doesn't have experience as far as tactics, as far as, you know, he's a little more skilled with weaponry than Claire is. But Claire holds her own, though. I mean, and she's actually, she doesn't seem to be particularly a train shot or anything but it it
0: seems like she's held a gun before like maybe her brother had helped her yeah that
1: makes sense i mean you you, she's still chris's sister you know i mean chris is her brother so yeah there's gonna be some i'm I'm sure she picked something up from him but she's just a
0: civilian and he's a day one cop so it's, it's very different from each other and from the characters that she played as in the first game yeah And I really enjoy that. I think that the characters are explored a little bit better because they have more interesting backgrounds and more distinctive backgrounds, I should say. But I also like how uh, Resident Evil 2 takes itself a little bit more seriously. I mean, part of what's fun about the early Resident Evil games is the camp. And don't get me wrong, there's plenty of cheesy dialogue in this game. I mean, it is that is just an unavoidable fact. But I do think that you know, with the omission of like the live action scenes that they did in the beginning, this game does take itself a little bit more seriously than the first one did.
1: Definitely. I mean, there, there's. There's so much about the original game's voice acting that by this point it's a meme, you know, like Jill Sandwich. Yeah, and, and it's just that or,
0: beginning intro is so much fucking fun. It is, <laughs> yeah, it's a
1: lot of fun, and it's kind of cool that they were able to get some actors together and you know make them actually look like the characters and you know be able to do that. But that wasn't going to be particularly possible with Resi 2. I mean, that's why the use of cutscenes is it's it's a lot is a lot stronger here, you know? I
0: think the story actually is improved as a result. Because of that, you yeah. know, and obviously it's going to be a completely different experience. There is something super fun about the original game and the vibe that it goes for. But I do like that this game does something different and and takes itself a little bit more seriously. And that actually is a a, a boon for the
1: for the story. Yeah. And it really helps sell the characters to the player, you know? Like you you really do come to care about Claire and uh, Leon and Sherry and Ada a lot more than you do, you know, the members of the STARS team. I mean, mm-hmm. I mean I would argue that Resi 3 really helped, you know, establish Jill as a better character. Yeah. You know? But here, I mean, there's a reason why people, there's a reason why they went back to Leon for Resi 4 and they went to, with Claire for uh, Resi Code Veronica, you know? I mean... They're, they're still, they're arguably the most compelling characters in the entire franchise.
0: I like that they actually did that. Um and, then, 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 and that Resident Evil has, you know, continued to follow protagonists in different ways. And so you actually, you can play Resident Evil 1, you can play Resident Evil 2, and it's like, hey, if you like playing as Jill, she comes back in Resident Evil 3. If you like playing as Leon, he comes back in 4. If you liked uh playing as Chris, he comes back in uh Several of the later games. Yeah,
2: yeah, in uh, 5. In 5,
0: okay. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, from 5, I mean, he's also, I think, in, in. Uh, and in, I know he's in Village.
1: In 6, yeah, he's definitely in Village, and he, he comes up near, and he shows up near the end of uh, Biohazard 7.
0: Yeah, yeah. But, uh, and then if you like Claire, she's a playable character in Code Veronica. So it's like, no matter what, you know, I love how they continue to follow these characters, and even kind of moving forward with the real progression of time.
1: Yeah, I really like what they did with uh, Claire's story and Code Veronica. Honestly, I need to play more of that one. I started you, Code Veronica. You really should. It actually goes a little more in depth into the origins of Umbrella. Yeah, a little more. Yeah, so it's a it's a compelling story.
0: Yeah, I'm I'm kind of really diving into the Resident Evil franchise as a result of the podcast because I played through Biohazard and through Village. Uh, when we did you know episodes on those and now i've played through uh the first game at least the the remake and i've played a considerable way through the director's cut Uh, i've played through both the original and remake of resident evil 2 extensively i've played all four scenarios of this one so you know and I've, i've started code veronica uh i'm looking forward to the remake of four that's coming out
1: yeah and you still gotta play resi 3 as well
0: yeah, and I, I think yeah. that's next on the list, actually. Is I want to play through three. I don't know about five or six because they're kind of the ones that nobody really talks about, or yeah, if they do, it's nothing good.
1: They're kind of the redheaded stepchildren of the <laughs> franchise. I'm sure they have
0: their fans.
1: Yeah, but basically, they're like the Silent Hill Downpour. Or the Silent Hill homecoming of the franchise. Yeah, but arguably Silent Hill has had far more stinkers in their uh, in their lineup than you Resi. know. What's
0: cool, funny though, is that like where the the best Silent Hill games I think are better than the best Resident Evil games.
1: Really, you think so?
0: I think I like Silent Hill just a little bit more, but I haven't actually played that much into it either. But just from what I have played. Like I, I think, like I like Silent Hill two better than I like the early Resident Evil games.
1: That, that's understandable. I mean, Silent Hill two is a much more contained story, you know, and it's driven a lot more by metaphor and whatnot. Where's I, I th-
0: digging that? I think it's more scary too.
1: Yeah, it's a lot scarier because of that psychological element. Whereas this right here, it's just more like a, you know, a corporate conspiracy that leads to a world apocalypse. Yeah. So.
0: But I think that there is something that's very fun about Resident Evil, and it's a flavor that needs to always exist. And it's a flavor that I'm always going to have part of my heart in, because I really haven't actually invested quite a bit of time in this series, even recently, just within the span of the last couple of years or so. Yeah. And and it's really hooked me in. And I think out of all the games that I've played so far, I think Resident Evil 2 did that the best. I was, you know, invested in doing everything that this game had to offer, and I still haven't done that.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, yeah, you still need to get to Tofu.
0: Yeah, exactly. And I don't know, like, how interested I am in stuff like that, but I guess, you know, I do kind of want to play with infinite guns and whatnot and, and kind of really experience that. And so. and
1: unlock some of the costumes as well. You got, yeah. you got to do that.
0: Because I've never been I've never been a fan of speedrunning, but with Resident Evil though, there is also this sort of logical progression and it feels like there's an efficient way to go about that.
1: Yeah, and, and, and it goes back to that zapping system and how they laid out the the design of the game, you know? I mean, that that's why this is such a popular game for especially the, these first two Resident Evil games are very popular with speedrunners, like especially with like uh, randomizer mods and everything. Like oh yeah, you should see some of these guys streaming with a randomizer mod on RE2 or RE uh, director's cut, man, because like it'll random it'll randomize the uh, the dialogue even like, I mean you'll just have random snippets from oh, like different Resi- Resident Evil games come up
0: some of the other versions of this game have featured like different arranged modes where they they do randomize the position of items which is cool yeah but you can also you know see that within the mod but th-
1: this is this isn't just randomizing item placements this is randomizing the items themselves yeah like, that's you know, a whole other level yeah yeah like like you you go up there and it looks like you're going to pick up a key but you end up picking up an eat ribbon you know yeah shit like that.
0: Yeah, that that's actually hilarious, and uh, yeah, I mean, there's just so much to do, and the original Resident Evil Two is not easily found these days,
1: unfortunately, and which is so you, you're which, probably just gonna have to emulate it, which is crazy because it came out on uh, on quite a few platforms. I mean, you can find it on Dreamcast, you can find it on N64, even. I mean, it was uh, ported to uh, the what else was it ported to? I think there's a version of it even on the Nintendo Wii. Yeah, like I mean,
0: I'm sure it's probably not that hard to track down a copy if you have the hardware. But this game isn't on like any digital stores right now. Or, yeah, yeah, and and it and it's not really going to be playable on on, on any like re- console hardware as of recent. But you can emulate it fairly easily. I mean, uh, Bo's got it on his PlayStation Classic, and uh, I played it on my computer. Yeah, I I played it both ways. Uh, I think that, you know, there are there are definitely ways to go about this game and it's been around long enough that it's not that hard to do. So I I definitely recommend this wholeheartedly. And uh, I got to say, and we'll we'll talk about this in the remake, you know, this is another situation where I think you kind of have to play both. I mean, they're different experiences.
1: Absolutely. You know, I mean, I haven't really gotten into the remake that much. But from what I've seen of it, I mean, it seems to retain a lot of what made this game, you know, as memorable as it is. There's know? just,
0: I have just made basically one major gripe about it, and we'll talk about that. And I mentioned it before, but, yeah. but other than that, I mean, I, I think that it's almost the superior game. But there is also just something very timeless about the original experience that I think no amount of remakes, you know, could ever change
1: a- absolutely not you know and and it's very specific to just that particular era of gaming you know? yeah
0: i mean i mean even when it comes down to like the soundtrack
1: exactly i mean and by the way i love resident evil save music that's something that i jam a lot at work even you know like just uh, when i'm working it's very calming and th- this has like some of the creepiest music but also very minimalist music yeah you know very minimalist, even even more so than the first game.
0: Yeah, it is a fucking fantastic soundtrack. It's very memorable. Uh, the room music, the main hall music, some of the more ominous themes that play the different areas. It's just there's a whole aesthetic to it. And the soundtrack really makes that.
1: Yeah. And then there's just the graphics, which at the time was such an improvement on the original, you know, much more detailed. You had you had you actually had different zombies. You had you had male and female zombies. And, you know, some of them would be cops. Some of them would be civilians. And even the uh, design of something like the liquor. There's a reason why the liquor is far more remembered than like the hunters. You know, like yeah. the hunters in the original game, like they were terrifying in their own way. But there's just something about the liquors that are just really visceral and just really just gross. You know, like it's it, it almost feels like it feels like it, it it had like an exoskeleton that it it got rid of or molted or something. Well, in just terms know? of
0: design and behavior, the liquors are way more terrifying. In fact, I'd argue the hunters aren't scary except for the fact that they're just very tough enemies that can kill you very easily that can come out of nowhere. but other than that I mean they're just kind of big goofy green monsters the liquors are genuinely terrifying
1: yeah especially because they can actually climb on walls and ceilings and everything I mean they can drop right on top of you they can attack you from the side it's, it's like it's like they took everything that was uh, everything that was difficult about the spiders about the giant spiders which are in this game. Like, like everything about the spiders and also everything about the hunters and just kind of combine them a little bit, you know?
0: Yeah, definitely. I, I love that. And there is a way to get around them if you move, you know, slowly, but it's not guaranteed you might step on something that I, I think, like, if you step on the glass, it actually will alert it. If you try to run, they're going to hear you because th- they're blind, but it just makes them – just adds another aspect to the to this type of enemy because you think, you know, I might want to sneak around this. Yeah, yeah. Of course, you know, with the white weaponry, which you can get fairly early on, they're not really that big of a challenge. But even so, the first time you come across one, you're like, what the fuck?
1: Hell, just a couple of acid rounds will take them down real quick.
0: And then later on in the game they'll throw like two or three of them at you at once or like super lickers, and so yeah, you they actually can kill you very quickly even late game.
1: (laughs) Yeah, no kidding.
0: You just you really gotta go in there with the strategy and then that's the best thing. And I think there's a lot of trial and error, you know. You you walk into a room and you're like, Oh shit, there's a boss here. All right, let me reload, equip myself
1: right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You and you definitely wanna do that in this game.
0: Yeah, and think like like we talked about with Final Fantasy Seven, the idea of using uh three D models on these pre rendered backgrounds is just kind of what adds to the entire aesthetic.
1: It really does.
0: It allows Resident Evil to tell a story in only a way that a classic Resident Evil game could.
1: Yeah. And with the those
0: camera angles that just change and the tank controls that take quite a bit of getting used to.
1: I would argue that they're slightly more fine-tuned in this game. Yeah. Slightly than, than, than before.
0: Well, and you have to remember that the whole point is that it's disorienting. They're doing that on purpose. They're shifting camera angles really quickly and uh, using uh, hard-to-master controls because it makes the experience more terrifying. It kind of replicates, for instance, what it might be from the character's perspective of maybe not being able to move around or, or attack accurately because they're... Scared or other intense situations. Yeah, uh, you know I think that it's a good way, and I think a, the re- early Resident Evil games really actually um evoke that that experience well. Of it does make the game just a little bit scarier when you're you know you got to get away from this enemy, but your character just isn't quite cooperating because it's difficult to turn them and move them and have them run all at the same time.
1: Yeah, there's no doubt that that's deliberate. And that's always been the case with uh, Resident Evil controls. You know, I mean, I would argue that with Resident Evil 4, I mean, that's why the c- controls were designed the way they were in that one. It was to kind of add to that heightened tension. There's, I mean, there's a reason why you even when you aim and you you can still kind of move around a little bit, it's like you're still limited in your movement and everything. It's, yeah. it's meant to up that tension.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think there is something very deliberate about uh, especially the early Resident Evil titles with that. And it's why, you know, this series just definitely has its own brand and, and of survival horror. And, you know, obviously being influential to the genre as a whole, but even into the modern day continues to have its own distinctive self.
1: Yeah. I mean there's a reason why they had to turn around and go back to the survival to the survival horror mechanic in order to make the new Resident Evil games like the new memorable games in the franchise, you know? Yeah. There there's a reason for that.
0: It has its own identity and Resident Evil 2, I think, really uh has its own identity within the franchise as well. Yeah. There's a reason it's a lot of people's favorite title.
2: <laughs> exactly. <laughs>
0: You know, I'm trying to think about how I would rank the games that I've played so far, and it's difficult. I was like, I kind of feel like I need to, I need to play through like biohazard or village again
2: <laughs> yeah
1: yeah it's, it's probably like, a good idea because
0: it's like do i like that one better or like the original game i'm like kind of need to get through the original ps1 version and see just how that how that falls on my palate but um yeah i think that this is a phenomenal series i think this is a phenomenal game and I'm excited to talk about the series in a little bit more detail i mean i guess it's now as good as time as any to kind of get into our final thoughts here
1: Man, I mean, this is once again another game that's very nostalgic for me. Much like Final Fantasy VII, the Resident Evil series was, it was when gaming officially grew up, you know, and this game really kind of signified that. I mean, it, like you said, it's a much more mature, less campy version of survival horror, and it it really set the tone for the next three or four games that came out. Now, of course, they totally shot themselves in the foot around five and, s- and six. You know, mm-hmm. they sh- they shot themselves in the foot there
0: and some of the spinoffs.
1: Oh yeah, some of the spinoffs, of course. I mean, Resident Evil Outbreak, like, like, yeah, it's easy to forget that they made a uh, an online uh, multiplayer Resident Evil game.
0: But most of the spinoffs, I should say, actually, <laughs> Code Veronica is good, but it's like. Like the Revelations games I've i heard w- are good.
1: I wouldn't but- even call Code Veronica a spin off game. It's more of a just a branching off of the uh Resident Evil timeline, more or less. Kind of like how yeah. you know Leon's story in Resident Evil Four is kind of a branch off of that.
0: Yeah, a lot of people say that it's 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 different. Uh, I've just barely gotten into it, but um yeah, no, I, I agree with you, man. It it is uh it's yeah. a, it's a fun series through its ups and downs.
1: It is. Like, even the worst Resident Evil game is still very playable. I mean, we, we played Resident Evil Survivor that one time. That is one of the worst ones. <laughs> but, I mean, still a, still a fun little game to get through, you know, at at its core. I mean, it, it was trying something different, and they kind of got that mechanic right in a later game. I think it was a Deadly Aim, I think it was. But, I mean, yeah, this is definitely a game that was a lot of fun revisiting. Like, I love playing these old-school PlayStation horror games. Like, there's, I mean, there's an entire genre of indie horror game development right now that's surrounded around making these old-school retro-looking, you know, horror games and using the tank controls and, you polygonal know, just models. polygonal model, models and pre-rendered backgrounds and all of that, you know? It's like, there, there that, that style still being replicated to this day, you know. So I mean, this game's influence is, you know, very, very relevant to this day.
0: I agree. Yeah, yeah. Resident Evil Two, I think, is uh, it, it, it is it deserves its place in memorable, influential video games, and. Uh, I'm glad that I was able to experience that, not just once, but four times, and still have a unique experience every time. And it's crazy that I kind of want to play more, you know?
1: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't mind uh, playing through it again, to tell the truth. Yeah, honestly.
0: So, I mean, Resident Evil 2, I think, is uh, definitely a a hallmark. Definitely, uh, I think, uh, uh, important to the genre of survival horror in the video game industry today
1: and important to gaming yeah you know like like you know how we talked about how you know final fantasy 7 really pushed the boundaries further as far as you know cinematic storytelling and gaming this one right here is another one of those games that really pushed that forward i mean just the way its narrative was presented the way that cutscenes were utilized and everything i mean it's very similar to ff7 in that respect
0: yeah i agree I agree, these are a good couple episodes to kind of do back-to-back. because Exactly. And especially because we're talking about both the original and the remake. So, yeah, next time we'll get into Resident Evil 2 2019. Um, again, this is also a fantastic game that I, I really only have one gripe about it. We'll talk about that. And I, I think that the, uh, the source material was fantastic as well. So we've got some more stuff planned for Spooky Month. Still trying to kind of figure out what specifically is going to be like the Halloween episode versus what are our numbered episodes this month. So we're still kind of working that out. But I uh, would actually like to get into the Resident Evil franchise a little bit more. Uh, We're actually going to be doing a collaboration with Collateral Cinema.
1: Exactly. We're going to be talking about the first uh, Paul W.S. Anderson uh, Resident Evil movie with Emilia Jovovich. And also, uh, I think we're going to do Resident Evil Welcome to Raccoon City as well. It's just going to be a little two-part review.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I'm excited about that. So, uh and I think the plan right now is that we're going to be doing Clock Tower as our actual Halloween special. So, uh stay tuned for that. That is most likely what we're still doing.
1: <laughs> I think we should just go ahead and do director's cut. Re- the the evil director's cut.
0: Well, we are doing that. That's going to be our uh that's going to be our bonus round episode. Oh, okay.
1: Okay. I got you. Yeah. All right.
0: So, and uh, I would also like to get into the Resident Evil Village DLC.
1: Yeah, that's that's definitely something that needs to be on the on on, on the list.
0: Hell yeah! yeah. So, uh, yeah, Spooky Month. Uh, happy Halloween to everybody, and uh, happy uh, season five of Collateral Gaming. Can't believe we're here. Uh, what can we expect with season six of Collateral Cinema that just started?
1: Well, of course we have our Human Centipede episode, the season premiere with Juliet Miranda guesting. That that is still up and available right now. But coming uh, this next Friday, this next coming Friday, we are releasing our episode on The Monster Squad, which is just another one of those classic Halloween movies, you know, everyone loves to put that to put it on, you know. It's a little bit of an anomaly when it comes to 80s kids movies and everything, but very interesting episode that we did on it, you know. So look for that, and yeah, I mean, we, like I said, we're going to do the uh, the director's cut episode on the the those two Resident Evil movies as well. So look for that, and yeah, I mean, our se- our next season is going to be very interesting. Hell yeah! I'm really be, excited, man. This is the fun season of Collateral Cinema. So yeah, yeah, and we are doing uh, Halloween ends. That's going to be our Halloween special. We're going to be doing that with uh, Film Rage. I mean, we're going to be recording that on Tuesday. So, yeah, we're going to uh, watch the movie on Peacock and we're going to sit down and review it. And, I mean, I'm hearing some mixed things about it, but we'll, we'll get into it. So,
0: yeah, we'll see how it goes. I mean, actually, today's the day that we are able to watch it, that it's streaming yeah. uh, as of recording this. So, uh,. We just didn't get Robert here, and I think that's kind of what, what we were waiting on,
1: yeah, we were we wanted to watch it with Robert, but yeah, <laughs> well, you know,
0: well, folks, if you enjoyed this episode, leave us a five star review on Apple podcasts., uh, you can also check out our patreon where we have exclusive let's play video game commentaries and uh, and we are going to be adding to that as soon as I have the hardware to make it happen. since I fixed my p s four and my my fan issue and you know a little bit of personal news i fixed it i opened it up came at it (laughs) with some compressed air when i ran out of compressed air i just used everything at my disposal cotton swabs
1: (laughs) (laughs) yeah damn
0: uh but i cleaned out my ps4 and so now we might be able to record some commentaries on that which will be nice i can just use the ps4's uh in-game recording option although we may run into issues with that so we'll we'll see how that goes but uh yeah and uh check us out on social media we are on twitter instagram and facebook and uh you can find us wherever you get your podcasts
1: yep same for collateral cinema yeah yeah
0: i guess that's really all that we have to say that being said i'm ashley chancellor and i'm Bo maddox this has been collateral gaming we are out
2: out